Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. I will match my wits with anybody in terms of young people, in terms of what's going on now, what's happening. And so I, I am woke. <laughs> That's right, Doug Collins. What's good? Welcome to the best 60 minutes of your day later, whether Gronk is really okay, why the Cavs are not a top five team, why Matt Stafford will be MVP, and why Jay-Z said, nah, I'm good. But first, our top stories, including whether all these homers are good for baseball and whether and why KD might be in a bad place. So we begin with the NFL. Uh, Adam Schefter, he tweeted the NFL's compensation committee expects to have Roger Goodell's contract extension, quote, completed in due course. Okay, I'm not sure what that means exactly, but it sounds like Roger Goodell isn't going anywhere, even though there were reports that Jerry Jones was impeding progress. Now, Jones addressed those reports saying, it's just your garden variety negotiation. Go back and forth a little bit. Um, but, Mike, I'll ask you, does Roger Goodell, does he deserve a contract extension? Say it with me. Deserves got, got nothing, nothing to, to do, do with it. it. <laughs> I mean, the game is in a good place. It's profitable. We'll talk about the quality of the product and the the, uh, the ratings later on. But, look, he does a really good job at being the bad guy. So he's doing the job he's signed up to do. And I hate to go Les Grossman for Tropic Thunder, but a lot of people could probably do Roger Goodell's <laughs> job. With all due respect. With all due respect. Okay? Yeah. But... Look, it's not like there's a, a viable candidate that we're aware of right now. His contract wasn't due to be up until 2019. So it sounds like it was just a matter of Jerry Jones trying to tighten the purse strings in a lot of areas. He's also complained that several other employees of the league office are overcompensated. And that just Goodell just makes way too much money. In the 10 years in which his salary was disclosed, he made an average of $21.5 million and totaled $212.5 million. He made $34.1 and in 2014 and 32 million in 2015. So he's awfully well compensated to run a business that kind of sort of runs itself. It's pretty ironic that a NFL owner would be in the position to tell anyone or tell anyone that they're making too much money. Here's the thing with Roger Goodell is uh, he is the perfect person for them to have. As you mentioned, he's okay with being the villain. And as long as he's there, that shields the owner's from a lot of criticisms. Mm -hmm. The owners are invisible to a large degree. I mean, yeah, you may know Jerry Jones because he's a little more visible than most owners, Robert Kraft, but most of them, people don't know what they look like or they're just not in front of the camera enough. Roger Goodell is there. When there's a bad investigation, uh, when there's criticism of the product, he's the one that stands in there and take the hit. Because he's typically at fault for it. He, and he is. And the fans may feel a certain way about him. The players may feel a certain way about him. But the fact is, as long as... He is ushering in things like uh, NFL team moving to Vegas, NFL teams in Los Angeles, those relocation fees that all the owners get, that's all they care and about. Look, there's something to be said. We know this. If you don't have people mad at you, you're not doing your job right. So not everybody is supposed to. He's very to good like, at that part. That's what I say. He's good at being the bad guy. But you, people may say, well, given everything that's going on, whether it's the Ezekiel Elliott situation, whether it's you know rating struggles, whether it's concussion controversies, on and on, is this the time for him to get it? That's typically when you do extend somebody to send a message that, hey, we're good with the direction of this operation. So it makes sense 
that it's going to happen in due course, whatever that means. Look, if, if, if Jerry has reason to hold it up, Rob, Robert Kraft is on the compensation committee. So that tells you something, too. Seahawks tight end Jimmy Graham won't practice today because of an ankle injury he suffered in the Seahawks win over San Francisco. Pete Carroll said Graham is optimistic, but that his status for Sunday's game at Tennessee is uncertain. The only thing for certain when it comes to the 1-1 Seahawks is their defense, which has allowed one touchdown through two games, which comes in handy when your offense scores one touchdown in two games. None of this is news to Richard Sherman, who after Sunday's game told the Seattle News Tribune, we've got a lot of highly paid guys on our side of the ball. A lot of guys who play the game at a high level. And there's a certain standard that's expected. We expect it from ourselves. We expect that regardless of what happens on the other side of the ball, at the end of the day, it's really on us. Thoughts? I'm not surprised. If there wasn't a show me the lie. <laughs> that's for one. Uh, right now, the only thing consistent about the Seahawks is the defense, which we knew that would be the case. The offense has been bad. But this is how the Seahawks, Seahawks operate. They thrive in tension. They love tension. They love awkwardness. Um, I have a feeling part of the reason I think why, why this team is not more, why it would fracture other teams is because I don't think Richard Sherman is saying anything publicly that he hasn't said privately. And I'm guessing privately he's probably said it a little coarser. Yeah. So for me, that doesn't look like he's throwing the offense under the bus because I think that they kind of all in their own ways have made similar comments, not just this season, but that's just been the, the history of this team as they've been successful with this defense. Yeah, for me, there was really nothing to see here. This was the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, and the Seahawks defense carries the offense. I didn't see this commentary, uh, which, again, happened after the game uh, to an individual reporter. I didn't see this commentary as complaining as much as I saw it as, as kind of, you know, humble brag. Like, I think, I think the defense, led by Richard Sherman, wears it as a badge of honor that they have to compensate for the offense's shortcomings because that's how you go down in history, and that's how you remember. Greatest defense of all time in NFL history. Baltimore Ravens. All right. Give me another one. Second best, or arguably the best. Give me another most famous defense in NFL oh, history. What Pittsburgh de- defense you want me to name? Or if you want to go uh, 85 Bears. with the 85 Bears. All right, go on it. All the time, in every case, 2002 Buccaneers, a lot of people in this conversation. In every case, when you talk about all-time great defenses, it's because they compensated uh, and carried a struggling, underperforming offense. And it, at times, scored the necessary points to win games for the offense. I think the Seahawks defense, that, that side of the locker room, that area of the locker room, loves that they lead the league in points allowed every year. And that's why that one-yard line is still such a problem in the back of their minds for them because their destiny was taken from them. That they knew they'd have gone down in history with two Super Bowls against both Brady and Peyton Manning and been in that conversation for greatest all-time defenses. So I don't think it's necessarily shade. I think it's, it's like, hey, this is what it is, and this is who we are, and this, this is what challenges them. Well, this is why that defense wakes up in the morning knowing that if they don't do their job, they got no shot. So my niggling concern, and it's a small what one. concern? Niggling. There's a small little... Just little concern. You know, I have never heard that word really? before in my life. Really? Yes. Okay. All right. Way to bring I mean, attention I knew what to you, it. I knew Thank what you, you said, but honestly, I never heard, <laughs> really? okay. never heard that. Continue. All right. I heard somebody else using it. Okay. I assumed it was a word. But um, my small concern there is that, you know this, Mike, as somebody uh, who's been married a long time. The worst thing. Don't bring my wife in this, though. <laughs> the, worst thing, <laughs> the worst thing you can do in any argument is throw things in people's faces. Yeah. And so the one thing about the Seahawks defense is that they do not hesitate to remind the offense who this team is really built around, okay. what this team is really about. But is about. it throwing it in your face if it's true? And you okay. can always do something about it to make me not have to throw it that in your is, face. That is very How true. How about you get your act together? You could do that as well, but at, at some point, 
that that tension if you're winning and you're still performing the tension doesn't it doesn't suck the life out of the team the tension does if you start to lose this just into the six niggling is a word see i was like why is mike trying but to did put you, me but on can, blast but did you have to say that did what, you have to use where, that where word? Where are we taking this conversation I'm right saying, now? Did you have to use that word? Did you have to use it? Because it's a regular word. It What's might wrong? be a regular okay, word. You know what, Mike? But under the circumstances, you're not about to Jamel, get me in trouble. I'm right not now. getting you in trouble. I'm saying under the circumstances, could you not have found a synonym? It for that? was the first I mean, word just, that came to mind. Why are you word checking me? I'm not word checking you. I'm just saying, just, just you got to be more careful. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So That's all I'm saying. Can we was, move was, on now? Were y'all thinking the same, Jeremy? Were y'all no, thinking were the same thing? Not. You were not. Anyway, it's to find fault in someone in a petty way. Learn something new every day. I, I appreciate you educating me. I'm just saying it just is a little too close. Just a little too close. It's too soon. Too soon. Get a lot of heat on us That's right why now. I don't like you right now. Okay. Uh, speaking of somebody who's got a lot of heat on him, yesterday Kevin Durant apologized for his bad Twitter behavior, uh, but he's still dealing with the backlash for criticizing his former Thunder teammates and coach Billy Donovan. One of those teammates <laughs> in his canter issued a response to Kevin Durant. Did the apology yesterday help you at all? I mean, it always helped, but it's too late. It's too late, you know, because we don't know how he felt about us. So that's, that made us really sad because we were in a war together uh, when he was here. You know, we we, we won together, we lost together. I understand, like, interacting with fans and, you know, just always talking and texting them back, but, like, having a fake account and just, like, just ask for him back and, like, and try to, like, uh, have a conversation with him and stuff, it's like, I feel like, come on, man, like, if you're Kevin Durant, you don't do that. The great players, they never blame each other. They always take the responsibility. I remember there was one point in playoffs they were losing, and then they asked Russell, about his teammates. He said, we in this together. We don't blame each other. All right, so Chris Mannix of The Vertical, he wrote this, many in Golden State, team officials and players alike have taken note of Durant's oddball offseason and are perplexed by it. They see a bright future for Durant in Oakland and are bewildered as to why he is still addressing his past. So will KD's inability to let go of the past jeopardize his future with the Warriors? And there's a reason why I'm laughing as I say he that. I brought up my wife earlier. Why is he so obsessed with his ex? You know, um, this, this is, he seems consumed by it. And I'm saddened by that because I thought he was at peace. I thought he was so comfortable to make the unpopular decision of taking a pay cut to allow Golden State to keep the team together this offseason. And for him to, for the most skilled seven-footer we've ever seen to seem so small is just so disappointing. Because it's like, I don't know what satisfaction he was getting out of that by hit and send and changing one opinion of him at a time. But all he did was succeed in making himself look bad. He didn't make the thunder look bad. And, and like I said, he's skated when it comes to responsibility for blowing a 3-1 lead of his own. And yet all he did was perpetuate in that commentary of, well, take him off the team, take Russ off the team. You know, those guys weren't good enough or Billy Donovan, this, that, and the other. All he did was perpetuate the idea that he wasn't good enough to carry the team, that he needed Golden State as much as it needed him, when plenty of people talked about Golden State needing him to beat LeBron James. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on the biggest stage, is the best player on the best team, on the same floor with LeBron James, is finals MVP. You got people like Paul Pierce proclaiming you the best player in the world. So why even look back? 
I don't. I just don't get it. I really don't. And, that, and that, that's why I think when we talked about this yesterday, why I said at what point or what will it take for him to to let it go? And neither one of us, we don't want to be hypocritical and act as if we have not been people who have had a hard time letting certain things go. I mean, I've certainly carried and do carry certain grudges. We've all done it. And when the volume of... Hurt people hurt people. You know that, right? I do know this. Um, When you have the volume of criticism that he faced once he made that decision to go to Golden State, I can certainly understand him feeling not just hurt by it, but angry about it. Did you see the San, was the San Francisco Magazine article where he talked about calling his agent and saying, mm. why'd you let me do this to my life? Like, it, he was really in a dark place. Which, but so much has happened since then. It, it has, but I was also really surprised that he was surprised by the reaction that he got. Right, you don't Given the this, team this, that he was going this, to. You're not knowing this is coming. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe it was even a, a bigger volume than he expected. Right. But all that being said, when you are... Just winning at life the way that Kevin Durant is right now with the championship, the finals MVP, with your future looking as if you will win more championships and more MVPs, then you have to be able to distance yourself and get over what happened. Those people who don't like you are not going to wake up today and like you. And that's just that's just how it works. Like I said, I thought he dropped the mic when, you know, won the finals MVP. But why'd you ask me up the top? We, I know we got to move on, but why'd you ask me up the top if, his inability to let go of his past would jeopardize his future. Well, the reason I asked that he might leave to go. No, I don't think he will. Oh, okay. But it was it, just well, reading Mannix's uh, words as it, the level of concern. Well, what level of concern are we talking about? They're not going to cut him. Oh, They're I not going to trade him. Oh, I see what you're you know, like so there's no concern all they want. Exactly. He's there's no consequence that's going to happen. And at the okay. end of the day, this is Twitter. Right. Okay, this is right. over a Twitter beef. So to make it seem as if he somehow it somehow cost him some level of credibility yeah. or political capital within oh, the organization is okay. like why well the most important thing <laughs> for his sake honestly and i'm sincerely i sincerely mean is, is how he views himself don't be a hit dog hollering when it comes to what these people are saying in the streets uh the yankees fully embracing the mets fan meme remember the captures the cameras excuse me captured him giving a thumbs down commodus style following a todd frazier home run last week well before today's game frazier tweeted a photo of the team wearing thumbs down t-shirts in the clubhouse terribly vexed. Commodus is terribly vexed. All right, now on to today's game. Yankees enter the day three back of the Red Sox in the East. Bottom third, Aaron Judge goes yard for his 45th of the season. More on that in a second because Gary Sanchez went back-to-back with Judge for the second time. This homestand is Sanchez's 32nd homer of the year. That's how I think that three. All Yankees the rest of the way. Next inning, D.D. Gregorius smacks his 25th, breaking Derek Jeter's Yankees record for a shortstop. Yankees win 11-3. Highlight! Uh, back to Aaron Judge. This is just getting even more ridiculous this rookie season of his. He's obviously four back of Big Macs, rookie record set in 87, and he joins these Yankees players with 45 homers and 100 RBIs before turning 26. You may have heard of Ruth, Garrick, DiMaggio, and Mantle. Now, speaking of home runs... John Carlos Stanton hit number 56, including his eighth of the Mets this season. They're sick of seeing him. He's got 10 more games remaining, and that home run, number 56 today, puts him on pace for 60. And we are up to 5,717 on the season and counting, and the current pace across Major League Baseball calls for a total of 6,139 home runs. That would be a stunning 47% hike 
since 2014. Mark Teixeira, yeah, you're shaking your head. Wow. Like, how has this home run explosion changed the game? There's a few things that have changed in the game. First of all, everybody's bigger and stronger nowadays. you got kids that are growing up. They're learning how to hit the ball in the air. Because of the shift, you want to hit the ball in the air more, so you have bigger and stronger players. They're being taught to hit the ball in the air. And the ball this year is a little bit harder. It's a little bit juice this year. I'm not saying MLB did it on purpose. They're manufacturing them differently, aren't they? You know what? All it takes is a little bit of a, you know, a variance in how you make those balls, and they go for it. I'm seeing balls hit off the front foot in the third deck. These things just don't happen. So I just think the combination of it, you're seeing all these home runs now. Well, to me, what I wonder is, because you see all these home runs, is it starting to devalue it? Yes. Because I think it does matter who is hitting the home runs and for who and what's at stake. Like John Carlos Stanton, I mean, that, this is an incredible season that he's having. But my, my concern and fear is how will this be remembered 20 years from now? You know, um, he's playing for a team where they're not relevant. I, we see what their attendance looks like. And he's having this great season. And it's just kind of they're starting they're starting it's starting to feel like groundhog day with, with home it's, runs it's, as opposed to being appreciated yeah, i'm kind of numb to him myself that's a that's a great point you want guys like jean carlos stan hitting home runs you don't want your second baseman that should be bunting slapping the ball around stealing bases trying to hit home runs there was a great piece on rognet odor a really good player in texas who this year is going to hit 30-plus home runs and have one of the worst seasons offensively in baseball. Mm. He's the third-worst offensive player in baseball right now. Mm. You don't want him trying to hit home runs. You want the guys in the middle of your lineup that need to drive in 100-plus runs going for the fence. Well, your home runs are up and sore. Your, your, your strikeouts. I'm with you, Jamal. I'm just, I'm just not as impressed by it. And it's not – put it this way. It's, it's kind of like with, with home runs to baseball right now or what three-pointers are to the NBA or passing yards are to the NFL. But the difference to me, though, is it's not about the evolution of the player yet. Players are bigger and stronger, but not necessarily better hitters. And your point about the dis- the difference in the baseball tells me that they're being it- it's artificial, that it's not that it's not real. It's not necessarily about the evolution of the player in terms of their ability to hit the ball. And that that to me is what devalues it. More it's, it's it's a lot of different factors, and I think I think we have seen a shift in the way guys are trying to hit, but. Baseball is always going through changes based on the pitchers. Mm -hmm. The pitchers are better now than ever. You're not going to get three or four or five straight hits against a guy. So teams are saying, I have to hit a home run against this guy. I'm not saying that's the right way to do it. But I think you look at baseball now as a a game where homers are here to stay. I don't know if it's at this level that we're seeing this year, but they're here to stay. I just Give me more run manufacturing. I'm old school like that. Amen. I want to ask and get you guys' thoughts on a very scary moment at Yankee Stadium uh, earlier today. A young girl was struck by Todd Frazier's line drive in the bottom of the fifth inning. Now the players, understandably horrified. Watching the look on their faces was just compelling and just awful to watch. The fan was carried from the stands. There's no official word on her condition. Now, twin second baseman Brian Dozier was one of many shaken up by the incident. Either one, you don't you don't bring kids down there. Or number two, every stadium needs to have nets. That's it. I don't care about the damn the view of a fan or what. It's all about safety. And I still have a knot in my stomach. I don't know if you guys saw it, but I mean, I hope the kid's okay. I don't, but we need nets or don't put kids down there. Yeah, a lot of conversation about, about the nets. As someone who played as long as you did, have you ever experienced something similar? Oh, yeah. Brian Dozier's 100% correct here. You know, I played first base, so I got to see this a lot, unfortunately. And 
After about two or three years in the big leagues, I stopped looking. When a line drive went into the stands, I didn't want to see it because I saw some ugly stuff the first few years. I stopped looking. He's 100% correct. You have to have nets. Kids shouldn't be down there unless they're paying attention and have a glove. But Major League Baseball, just mandate it. Put the nets up. So, as you know, at Yankee Stadium, the the nets end at the home plate side of each dugout. the team said in July that it's seriously exploring extending the netting for 2018. So they had been talking about it. Maybe it takes a child being involved to really kind of. But isn't stop isn't it that sad? It, it really it's, is. It's yeah. one of those. You know, it's like it's like a dangerous intersection. It's like, hey guys, we should put a light here. This is a dangerous intersection. You wait for a fatal crash to put the light in. Don't wait. Yeah. Let's let's be proactive about this. Put the nets up everywhere, and we won't see this ever again. So just for those uh, curious, and, and it's, it is. Not in everybody's stomach when we saw it. We heard it was a two-year-old, a, a, a child, a, a toddler, because that could have been any of our child. It could have been, could have been anybody. Uh, the Yankees issued a statement saying that the child who was struck with the batted ball, given first aid, receiving medical attention at an area hospital, but HIPAA laws prevent them from giving any more information at this time. So our thoughts and prayers, obviously, with that family. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you, Mark. You, Mark we appreciate it. Is this one of the better defenses that you faced in, in practice? Is that really a question? Yeah. Uh, you have Hall of Famer and Pep. You know, you got KK. You got Starlito. You got Super Mario. You got Captain America. You got Shaquille. You got the Mayor of Charlotte. You got Bishop. You got Old School. You got Batman and Major James and Little Cap. All right, only thing missing is Nuck Nuck and Little Stomachache. Um, anyway, new segment alert. Starter. <laughs> Questions that need answers from some of the finest reporters in ESPN land. We have Diana Rossini with the Patriots, Michelle Steele with the Bears, and David Newton with the Panthers. And of course, David, let's start with you. The defense has carried the Panthers to a 2-0 start. But what leads you to believe Cam is as confident as ever? Well, first of all, you saw his answer there. He likes to call himself the sensei of nicknames for the NFL. And he was full of himself today with all of those. So the other thing is they're 2-0. That cures a lot of L's. The fact that he's struggling, been a little rusty, that's not really worrying now. He believes that's going to come around. But the thing that convinced me that he's really confident, really in a good mood, is he usually comes in on a day he meets with the media, and he sits down next to a few of us before he goes to the podium. And sometimes he sits there fairly quiet, chit-chats a little bit. Today he was really full of himself, and he took a little bit out on me, bringing up my 40-yard dash on Monday when I had to run in a media challenge for a Play 60 playground. I came out with a, a quad injury and a hamstring, and Cam let me know about it and wasn't going to let up on it at all, even got on the podium. So Cam was – the fact that he was fully himself, to me, shows he's in a good place right now. Everybody's having fun. Fun to cover a winning team. All right, let's move to Michelle Steele with the Bears. Michelle, Bears fans want to see Mitchell Trubisky, but you can sense it any push to play Trubisky from inside the locker room. John Fox says he's sticking with Mike Glennon. What are you hearing? Yeah, here's the thing, Michael. As far as Mitch Trubisky is concerned, plenty of Bears fans think that hope 
for the 2017 season is represented by him sitting on the bench right now. But you go inside the locker room and you know what? There's more optimism among those players. They know the urgency of this game against the Steelers, but there's a good chance they get a starting guard, a starting wide receiver, and a starting DB back on Sunday against Pittsburgh. And John Fox says he's confident that Glennon has a bounce-back game. Now, let me get to talking about that starting wide receiver for a second. Marcus Wheaton. He told me he's ready to play on Sunday. He's coming back from a finger bone injury. He could provide the deep threat that this offense so desperately needs. And you know what? Glennon has the best completion percentage in the NFL among all quarterbacks for throwing passes 10 or more yards down the field. That's better than Brees. That's better than Brady. That's better than Aaron Rodgers. Now, I know it's only two games, but about to some say, of the Bears like, fans to hang their hat on. <laughs> I was like, wait Way a second. to sell that one. Knew? Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. Nicely okay. done. Nicely all right. Done. Now, let's bring in Diana Rossini, who's there in Foxborough with the Beyonce win machine. Uh, <laughs> Diana, earlier today, there were reports that Rob Gronkowski practice. Then we see he wasn't on the Patriots practice report. So what can you tell us? What's the deal with these conflicting reports about whether or not Gronkowski practiced? Uh, Jamel, it's always something with the Rob Gronkowski injury, so let me take you through it. Monday, he talked to reporters. He said the groin injury, not so serious. He was day-to-day, but he kind of alluded that all was good. Today, team back at practice, they were in full pads. The local media, they're allowed out at practice to watch. They saw Gronkowski in pads. He warmed up. He stretched. He even participated in blocking drills. I'm a national media member, so I'm not allowed to watch it, but they had it on the team periscope, so I saw it with my own eyes. But then around 5 o'clock today, the Patriots released their injury report and said that Rob Gronkowski did not practice. So either he didn't practice once the media went in because the media is only allowed to watch about 15 minutes of practice or there's some sort of miscommunication. But right now we're to go with what the Patriots say, which is Gronk on Wednesday didn't practice. Intrigue with injuries when it comes to the Patriots. As always. ESPN's Basketball Power Index, Janelle. Releases projections for the upcoming season. Here is a look at the Eastern Conference. Well, well, well. Celtics up top. Crazy chips and dip. Take it or leave it. Cavs won't be the best team in the East. I have to leave. They got them at six overall, too. That was really interesting, the fact that they weren't in the top five. I'm going to leave this because LeBron. Is there ever a bad reason? I hate to sound like a broken record, but until I see him defeated in the East, yeah. at least in these recent years, um, until I see that happen, someone actually dethrone him, got to go with it. Well, not just that. The Celtics look great on paper. I love them for the long term. But Definitely. what is it, four guys that were on the team last mm-hmm. year? So they got to come together. That's easier said than done. They got to go through the same process that LeBron is going through in Miami or Cleveland. Meanwhile, even with Isaiah Thomas on the men, I'm leaving this too if that wasn't clear. Even if we with Isaiah Thomas on the men, getting Jay Crowder is huge for Cleveland in the short term. So Cleveland's still the best team in the East. We're not going to have any kind of niggling conversations about. Don't try to steal my word. I'm trying to oh. <laughs> Despite being 500, the Patriots still considered the Super Bowl favorites, according to Vegas. Take it or leave it, Mike. Uh, yeah, I'm going to niggle with this. Uh, <laughs> See, if you mess up, don't blame me. <laughs> I, I, I said it right, right? Okay. Uh, I'm leaving this, and I know that's going to surprise you. Because I'm Mr. Don't Panic when it comes to the Patriots. We've seen them start slow before. But I don't know how right now, in the moment, you can look at what Kansas City has done and what Oakland has done in particular, or even what Atlanta has done, or just did against Green Bay, albeit, you know, a hurt Green Bay team, 
and say that the Patriots are the favorites right now. To me, if you still think they're the favorites right now, it's because that's how you came into the season, and that Kansas City loss wasn't enough to move you off the Patriots. It's almost like you're saying, I'm just going to stick with what I thought, despite the two games so far of evidence to the contrary that somebody else is better right now. I'm leaving this also, and people have to understand, just because you don't consider them the favorite doesn't mean that they're going to have a bad season. You're not saying they won't make the playoffs. And I picked them, and I'm not coming off the pick. Exactly. Right but now. right now, they're not the favorite. They do not look like the best team in the NFL. I'm with you. It's either Kansas City or Atlanta or even Oakland, not them. And this is an unusual position for the Patriots to be in. We'll see what happens uh, to them this upcoming week. I don't know what they proved against the Saints, so we'll see. The source. I remember... Twister had it in the so I'm sorry. <laughs> the source reports that Jay-Z was asked to perform at Super Bowl 52 in Minnesota, but he declined. Take it or leave it. Jay-Z doesn't need the Super Bowl halftime. I'm leaving this. Stage. I'm leaving this out I'm of it. So yeah. he does need it. I'm leaving this out of selfishness. It ain't about Jay-Z. I need it. You know why? Because I need Beyonce to come with. Uh, Alright, so from look, I know he's Jay-Z and and he's he's huge. He, he doesn't need it in the sense like he's not gonna miss a meal without exactly. doing it, he's not gonna be less popular. But the people need it. It's about us. Well, look, I'm going to take this because I live for the day, long to see the day when you can be so big. And he's not the first person to turn on this opportunity. But you can be so big to say, no, I don't need that stage because you stand to gain more from my presence than I do for, for performing or from performing for whatever reason. Some have speculated he's supporting Colin Kaepernick. Whatever the reason is, he says, look, I'm helping you by bringing the culture to your event. I control the culture. I'm going to control who I give my presence and my appearance to. So I'm loving this. Oh, that's too bad. I really wanted to see it. Uh, Rich Cannon told Bleacher Report that he thinks Jay Cutler has a chance to change his legacy. <laughs> and go out on a positive note. Are you going laughing? Take it or leave it. I'm taking it. Of really? course I'm taking it. You know what? I, I, I'm going to die on this hill. Because I've always thought that Cutler. You're going to be deceased. He deserves to get a bad rap, but he gets a worse rap than he deserves. And here's the thing about it. It's all about, life's about expectations. It's about expectations. When he was the first round pick in Denver, that's one thing. When you get traded for and get the big contract in Chicago, that's another thing. He was a rebound chick. A rebound, he was a rebound quarterback. They called him off the couch when Teddy Hill got hurt, so the expectations have been minimized. Right. I think with that's like, the ah, cast, I guess somebody, I gotta go to dinner with somebody, so, so let me call him to the playoffs, you're <laughs> conquering hero is all I'm saying. Change his legacy. They call him 50. Thousand years old, his legacy is set. All right, I mean, so you know I'm clearly leaving this. I know he's gonna all. No, it's because he's has he not always been the same? Like people, people kept treating him as if he were a project. Yeah, with potential. His, right, like Thirty-five he's, years old with potential. Like he is, but he <laughs> is. He's got a great arm, but you're only getting so far with Jay Cutler, especially off the couch. Jay Cutler, you can win with Jay Cutler. He's got to be really good around. Win him. what? Speaking of Jay Cutler, what you call this guy? Broke Jay Cutler. You still hating on him? According to Bavada, three-way tie. For best MVP odds in the NFL. That would be Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and my man, Matthew Stafford. Take it or leave it, Jamel. Stafford will remain an MVP favorite. I know you're leaving this because you hate Detroit, and you hate the Lions, and you forget where you come from. Private school got you all sedated like that. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm leaving this because we're week two, right? And look, of the other quarterbacks you mentioned, Rodgers is 1 1. Ryan, Matt Ryan is 1 1, all right? So they have the track record. 
I'm just not after week two just going to say, oh, you know what? You know what's fitting about it? Matt, that he's right there with Matt Ryan. Because the same, I had to keep up for Matt Ryan before. And then eventually, y'all came around to seeing things See, my way. That was different. Okay? That was different. No, it's not that different. Was, that was because for the longest different. time, Matt Ryan was an end zone interception machine, and he was no Michael Vick, and he was an underachiever, and he was overrated. And, oh, now he's MVP, and he's you one of the best You know what got Matt Ryan in that conversation? The Falcons got better. That's what I'm saying. I think the Lions are better. Only team in the league with offensive, defensive, and special teams touchdown. They're running the ball better. He's more efficient. I think they're for real as a team. They get to the playoffs. He wins to the playoffs. I don't think he goes to the Super Bowl necessarily, but I think he's in the conversation all year because he may not have the ridiculously empty passing yards, uh-huh. but he has the wins with the stats this We're talking about. to 8-8. Eight eight. You got to do that? <laughs> all right. Dolphins coach Adam Gase leaving the door open for linebacker Lawrence Timmons to return to the team after Miami suspended him indefinitely Tuesday for going absent without leave from the team last weekend. Everything dealing with that, we're just going to keep in-house. We've handled it the way we feel like we needed to handle it. And, you know, really I don't have anything to add to that. Will he have a chance to come back to the team? It's going to be something I'm going to keep in-house, and I'll I'll decide on that later. Darren Woodson, what's it like being a player in that locker room and having a, a, a teammate go absent without leave and the process of accepting him back? You ever been through anything like that? I've never. Well... Yeah, You've we been through a we lot. Have, yeah, we have, that's why we asked you. You're no yeah, stranger you to drama. Yeah, you I, I think that. Uh, by the way, why am I so tall in this chair? <laughs> I Can know. I get a, a different chair? No, I'm just joking. Go. No, you're fine. You're fine. Right, I got. Right, I can help you out. Good. But anyway, it's like a giant up here, it's like Shaq. <laughs> uh, I just think that the locker room is the most forgiving place you could ever be in, and play, and your teammates will always forgive you if you can play. If you can, can, can play, you can come back, and they'll say – and I, I remember Cole Beasley, wide receiver of the Cowboys, walked away from the game, and the Cowboys called him back, and he came back. But in, in this situation, you're talking about Lawrence Timmons. You're talking about a guy who's been in the league for a number of years, who's been highly successful with the Pittsburgh Steelers, goes to a new team in the Miami Dolphins, and this happens. And this is not a part of his makeup. It's never been a part of his makeup. He's a hundred and something straight games. Exactly. So I don't know – I mean, sometimes it's – Family issues that take you away. Yeah. Uh, they're keeping it under wraps so no one really knows. But the, the locker room will forgive you yeah. until you finally, you know, do something really bad and they'll, they'll get, get you out. But I, if he wants to come back, I'm sure they'll accept. I said yesterday that the indefinite suspension, which could be one game, the indefinite suspension felt harsh. But in, in fairness to the Dolphins, obviously they're privy to information that we are not. But in fairness to Adam Gase, from everything I've heard, relatable guy, a, walks a Great line between being a player's coach and a disciplinarian. So whatever explanation that wasn't sufficient for him must have been pretty flimsy in order for him to go to the lengths of suspending him. I just said I hope that Timmons was okay personally. Exactly. Like this wasn't That's about protocol, procedure, exactly. precedent, or politics, but – him as a person. Especially when it's, when it's something that's not usually in that person's character. That's exactly, when you get a, yeah. a cause for concern. Um, let's go to some drama of a, of a different order in Seattle where they always seem to thrive off drama. So Richard Sherman had this to say about the defensive burden that they're facing. Uh, we've got a lot of highly paid guys on our side of the ball. A lot of guys who played the game at a high level and there's a certain standard that's expected. We expect it from ourselves. We expect that regardless of what happens on the other side of the ball. At the end of the day, it's really on us. That shot to the offense. Oh, uh, no, no, no. You know what? He is speaking the absolute truth. I don't right. know if it's a shot to the offense because, really? because I think it's somewhere somewhere along the line. It's, there's been some dissension. And I've been on teams. Defense play is great. Offense is terrible. Right. Or, or vice versa. Right. And there's going to be some animosity within the locker room. It's just a part of the game. Your family. You're going to have issues that way. Somewhere down the line, Pete Carroll or someone told him, listen, 
we have paid you, we paid your boy Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Bobby Wagner, paid everybody on this side you know of the line. They don't play? This, no, they don't pay? They don't pay that offensive line. <laughs> so we expect <laughs> you, obvious. we expect you, it would behoove you to <laughs> shut up and play the game. That's exactly right what someone told It would behoove you to learn yeah. a thing or two. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but how did they fix it on offense? Because Jamel and I, we talked, not even on camera, we were talking about this, where this was a, they don't have respect for Russell Wilson. No, I think they respect what Russell Wilson is able to do under the circumstances. Exactly. I mean, look at that miraculous touchdown to Richardson against San Francisco. Is the answer just going more no huddle? Because they average 4.2 yards per play for the season, but substantially more, I don't have it in front of me, when they go no huddle so far this season. I think is they do have to speed it up. For one, and understand the defense is probably going to have to get more reps like they did. This defense had a ton of reps last year, and I'm sure they'll get more even this year. They're going to have to speed it up. And not only that, but sometimes you're going to have to keep a tight end. Jimmy Graham's going to have to stay in sometime and chip block and help out that offensive line. They're going to have to max protect at times and then throw the ball deep down the field vertically. But right now, it's, it's like playing elementary backyard football with Russell Wilson. I feel sorry for him. Because every time he gets the ball, he's got to be out of that pocket mm-hmm. because the pressure is coming, much like you see – in New York with the Giants with Eli Manning. He yeah. just doesn't have the capability. Eli, he can't, can't run. Move. He can't run. But yeah. Russ is on the run. He's trying to do whatever he can. But the personnel is a problem with this football team. Yeah. Right. Well, we'll see if Jimmy Graham actually plays, speaking of personnel this week. And, and it was 14.2 yards per play so far this season when they go no huddle, 3.1 when they huddle. That was what I was pointing That's out. That's crazy. So. As always, Bill Belichick in a great mood for his press conference. <laughs> Was this a week that you would reconnect with Coach Saban to maybe compare notes about Watson? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Still, you throw Brady ball in by his book. You know, we see Tom every day. I don't really feel like I need to read a book. Maybe I'll give it to him for Christmas or something. <laughs> I mean... Many moves ago, I was on the front row. It, you sometimes just be trying to make conversation. He's not for it. <laughs> no. He's not for He's not trying to help. Now, he gave a very enlightened answer about offensive line play today and he he likened it to golf. So, when he gets in the mood, especially on Fridays, we used to call it Hardcore Fridays, but a book? Nah, man. Throw him a bone? Like, bring no, these he help selling books. He doesn't throw bones, no. Rockies, pitcher Pat Neshek, he is mad at Zach Grinke of the Diamondbacks, calling him a turd, his words, not mine, on the message board of an autograph memorabilia site after, according to Nishak, Grinke, who, keep in mind, suffers from social anxiety issues, continually denied Nishak an autograph. Yeah, it feels like this is something Nishak needs to get over and probably shouldn't have made that. That, that shouldn't have become public, right? Like, how can you be mad at a guy? You're too old for that, right? One would think. One would think. So I, I just, it just feels very petty like on feels, his part. It feels very niggling, right? That, did I get it right? I, I'm learning. A Norwegian fan got lit up by security. You need to learn to keep the head on the swivel, right? <laughs> yeah, man. I look, this is this is what you get. Like, I, I think that's what he wanted. He <laughs> wanted to be tackled. Yeah. One of my favorite memes is the drive-through. Here's that attention you ordered. That's what you wanted. <laughs> like, you start running like everybody else is what they're supposed to be. Right, but you, you have to be the one. Go on training. That chases behind. Okay, what are you doing? Out too. <laughs> oh my god. I need goodness. this couch. What is this? A Nike Air couch? Nice couch. It's <laughs> an Air Up Temple. It's now a couch. I need it. It goes on the paint. Nice place. <laughs> Why do I stretch out? <laughs> We're working hard to win games every you know every day and every week. So for me, I'm having time in my life. Sergio, <laughs> damn shut up. That's right. See? That crowd continues to turn. Sergio, the that's the process, man. Speaking of which, Sixers GM Brian Colangelo says Ben Simmons 
has been playing five on five and is dominating. No surprise. Oh, so my Sixers. Now they're your Sixers. Yeah, as soon as Embiid gets on and does five on five, we good. All right. Did he raise the cat? Is that is that still going to be a thing? I don't know what we're going to do this year. Okay. You I don't, don't know? know? You didn't consult? Because I built this bandwagon. <laughs> you built this team? All right. Before we call it a day, who had a good day? All right. On this date in 1973, Billie Jean King defeated Bobby Riggs in three sets in the Battle of the Sexes. Movie is coming out. We would be here all day if I had to list all the things I'm better than you. Actually, we wouldn't. That segment would be over right now. Uh, Good for Eddie Lacy for opening up to ESPN, the magazine's Kevin Van Valkenburg, about his battle with his weight, saying, I could pull up my Twitter right now, and there would be a fat comment in there somewhere. I could tweet, today's a beautiful day, and someone would be like, oh, yeah, you fat. I sit there and wonder, what did you get out of that? Read your piece for yourself. Got a lot of people talking. As for us, talk to you tomorrow. This is SportsCenter, live.